Sing the song we choose the fear. Oh, now we choose the fear of the Lord. Oh, we choose the fear of the Lord. For the fear of the Lord is to hate all
service a little bit. Let's put it in the key of G and let's sing that song, uh, Have a Little Talk with Jesus. We'll just uh, speed it up a little bit. Now I once was lost in sin, but Jesus took me in and then a little light from heaven filled my soul. It bathed my heart in love and wrote my name above. Just a little talk with Jesus made me whole Now let us have a little talk with Jesus Tell him all about our troubles He will hear our faintest cry He will answer by and by and when you feel a little prayer will turn it And you know a little fire is burning You will find a little talk with Jesus makes it right Sometimes Seems drear without a ray of cheer, and then in a cloud of dying may hide the day. The mist of sin may rise and hide the starry sky, but just a little talk with Jesus clears the way. Now let us have a little talk with Jesus. Tell him all about our troubles. He will hear our faintest cry. Just a little talk with Jesus makes it right. Now let us have a little talk with Jesus. Let us tell him all about our troubles. Hear our faintest cry. He will answer by and by. When you feel a little prayer will turn. And you know a little fire is burning. He will find a little talk with Jesus makes it right. Now I lost in sin, but Jesus took me in, and in a little light from heaven filled my soul. It made my heart in love, and wrote my name above, and just a little talk with Jesus made me whole. Come on! Now let us have a little talk with Jesus, let us tell him all about our troubles, he will hear our faintest cry, he will answer by and by. When you feel a little prayer will turn it, and you know a little fire is burning, you will find a little talk with Jesus makes it right. I may have doubts and fears, my eyes be filled with tears. Jesus is a friend who watches day and night. 
several specials this morning too. I'm going to call those out here in a moment. Uh, but if we could just uh, keep it in the same key, or I'm sorry, put it in um, F and let's sing the song, um, Bring All Your Needs to the Altar. So bring all your needs to the altar. Oh, just bring all your needs to the for just a moment. We just have a few prayer requests here, and if I could just have uh, Brother Mark come and pray over these after I'm done reading. And also, uh, since we have several specials, I'll go ahead and have the ushers come forward with the tithes and offering once I'm finished reading. We just want to uh, remember Henry Coffey, who is uh, not with us this morning. He is at home sick, so if we could just remember them in prayer. Also, I have here that uh, Sister Emma McCafferty is not here. Uh, she is not feeling well, so if we could just uh, remember them. Also, I have uh, Sister Lori, who is uh, Sister Lori Tamblinson, who is uh, dealing with cancer, is fighting cancer, so if we could just remember her. Also, um, a request was brought forward, uh, Brother Don Hoffman's wife, Sister Mary in Minnesota. Uh, who has been battling cancer and is doing really well, but um, has gotten COVID. And so they are just asking for prayer for her. So if we could just remember them as well. And uh, I know we all have unspoken prayer requests. So just by the lifting of your hands, the Lord knows each and every need. So if I could just have uh, Brother Mark come at this time and um, the deacons come forward. If you would just stand as well. Father, Lord Jesus, we are thankful, Lord, to be in your house again, Lord. We pray, Lord Jesus, that what you have for us, Lord, today from your word, Lord, will be accomplished, Father. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you'll come, Lord, and be in the midst of us, Lord. We feel your presence already, but I pray, Lord, that you'll minister to each heart, Lord, and give us each what we have need of, Lord. It may be different uh, needs, Lord, but you're able with one word, Lord, to meet every need that we have, Father. Because you're a revealer of the intense, Lord, of our hearts. You discern our hearts, Lord Jesus. You know exactly what we have need of. 
Lord, let our gathering not be in vain today, Lord. Let it let it be, Lord. Uh, let it be. Thank you. Oh, oh, good Jesus. Speak to us, Lord. Father, our desire is to love you more, Lord, to be obedient to your word, Father. Lord, gather us together, Lord. Pull us into yourself, Father. Let us be one with you today, Lord. And come, Lord, in the sweetness of the Holy Ghost, Lord, and minister to us, Father. That's the desire. Lord, as I was coming to church today, Father, I said, Lord, let let, let me not come in vain, Lord, driving this distance, Lord, and we come and we spend this time. Lord, let it be a, a, a time, Lord, where we can fellowship with you, Lord, where we can get from you, Lord, what we have need of, Father. Lord, take control, Father, we pray, Lord. It's hard sometimes to express, Lord, exactly, Lord, how we feel, but, Lord, you know all things. We pray, Lord, that you will minister to everyone, Lord. Lord, these requests that was made known, we pray that you will grant each, Lord, that those that are sick, Lord, we look to you for our healing, Lord, for it's you that our every need come from, Lord. In you we live and move and have our being, Father, and we look to you for everything that we have need of. We commit the rest of the service into your hand and also your servant that ministers the word, Father. Granted, Father, we love you. We pray and thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Brother Mark. You may have your seats. We have several specials this morning, um, so we'll just move right along with those. I'm going to call your name out, and if you would, just be ready to come as soon as the other one finishes. We have to move uh, pretty quickly this morning. So I have an announcement here to make, and as I read that, if I could have uh, Brother Joe and Sophie Uh, Please come forward and get ready. And then after them, I have the Jacksons who are singing this morning. Is that correct? Okay. And then after them, if I could have Sister Kristen come forward, and then Brother Jaron, if you would just be ready. And there will be a children's choir practice immediately after service. So kids, just be ready to come to practice right after, okay?
change? Are we looking in the wrong place? Finding meaning in the wrong names. From being honest with myself. All of the pain, all of the pieces, all the fake congratulations, buying stuff to fill the spaces. Is it ever enough when it never could be to gain all the world and never be free? So we sing, what's the use comparing, worrying and stressing, keeping up with it? Trying to be somebody perfect, love reminds me that I've got everything I could want. So, what's, what's the use comparing, worrying, and stressing? Keeping up with everyone when, when trying to be somebody. Take surrender. It's gonna take letting go. It's gonna take throwing up your hands and letting 
God have control. It's gonna take His mercy. It's gonna take your faith. It's gonna take falling on your knees in God's amazing grace. If we're ever gonna reach that holy splendor, it's gonna take surrender. These days, pursuing wealth and earthly gain keeps us in a race. Broken hearts and homes are nothing where it seems. Living for the moment is now the common theme. Day is the day to seek the truth, and this is what it's gonna take. It's gonna take surrender. It's gonna take letting go. It's gonna take throwing up your hands and letting God have control. It's gonna take His mercy. It's gonna take your faith. It's gonna take falling on your knees in God's amazing grace. If we're ever gonna reach that home. It's gonna take surrender. It's gonna take surrender. It's gonna take letting go. It's gonna take throwing up your hands and letting God have control. It's gonna take His mercy. It's gonna take your faith. It's gonna take falling on your knees in God's amazing grace. If we're ever gonna reach that holy splendor, it's gonna take surrender. It's gonna take surrender.
of the goodness of God. Oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. I'm unworthy to call upon your name. All my life I've been a sinner, and for that I am ashamed. But I heard that you. Listen, so I'm giving you my plea. I'm too unworthy, Lord, to come to you. Would you please come down to me? I know that there are others who could offer more than I. Promise you I'd understand. Oh, if for me you had no time. I've just hit bottom Oh, and I'm looking up to see I'm too unworthy, Lord, to come to you Could you please come down to me? So I guess I must be reaping from the seeds that I have sown. Oh, and Lord, you owe me nothing. We haven't spoken for so long. But if you could show your mercy, oh, I 
pledge my life to Thee. I'm too unworthy, Lord, to come to You. Would You please come down to me? Sing it with me. you I'd understand Oh, if for me you had no time Think I've just hit bottom And I'm looking up to see I'm too unworthy, Lord, to come to you. Would you please come down to me? Let's sing that again together. Just reach out to him. I'd understand if for me you had no time. I think I've just hit bottom and I'm looking up to see. I'm too unworthy, Lord, to come to you. Would you please come down to me? I'm too unworthy, Lord, to come to you. Would you please come down to me? I've anchored my soul in the haven of rest, and I'll sail the white seas no more. The tempest may
Let's just sing uh, Have Your Way. So have your way. Just have your way. And Holy Spirit, fill our hearts and have your This morning. God bless you. Welcome to the house of the Lord. And we are honored to have all of you with us today. A little longer in our, pre- our preliminaries here this morning, but uh, these specials were special and the atmosphere is wonderful. We had a prayer meeting here Friday night. First time in probably 15 years. I don't know if we've ever had, 
I don't know if we've ever had one, but uh, it was so wonderful. It was just really nice. And several people came out to pray, and, and several people uh, mentioned they were praying at home, and it was just really nice. And I told them, I said, just take that spirit home and bring it back on Sunday. So thank you for doing that. And uh, appreciate all of you being here today. Um, we uh, just want—I just want to say and acknowledge the Clavels uh, here, and uh, they were out yesterday for the memorial for Brother Roger, and uh, got back last night. And so we're uh, glad for all of them being here. And Jeremy uh, is here, right? Not here. Okay, and. Uh, but we're glad that they uh, made the trip safely back uh, with us again. We have a youth meeting at 3.30 this afternoon, and uh, we had some problems with the plumbing here, uh, the restrooms, but everything is okay. I think everything is, is rolling. Uh, so uh, unless you hear any, anything differently, uh, things are okay. They were, that's what the deacons were moving around about there uh, to get that done. wanted to show you this. Uh, this is a, a wonderful thing. The... Uh, church, or sorry, this is the Seven Seals book that's printed in Portuguese, and I just got my advanced copies this week, and they're going to Portugal, and they'll go. Some will go to Angola, and they'll go to Mozambique, and uh, that's uh, just a tremendous thing uh, for that particular country. And then for all of you that speak Yoruba, here's the Church Age book. Yoruba is the language that is spoken in Nigeria by about uh, thirty thousand believers who live there. And uh, they have not had material for a long, long time in their language in relation to the message. So we just got the church age book done, and that's on its way. Brother uh, Caleb Homover was uh, instrumental in helping us to uh, get all of that arranged. And so uh, they're on the boat now heading over to uh, Nigeria. So they're pretty excited about all of that. We're not going to hold a service up at all. We're going to invite Brother Matt to come. Uh, I was supposed to be in Africa today, but I was grounded on purpose. And so I'm here. And... uh, I just uh, felt in my heart that uh, it would be good to have Brother Matt to come. And we always in- enjoy Brother Matt when he comes. appreciate his ministry and uh, appreciate his understanding of the Word and his maturity in the Word. And I feel like that, um, you know, when it comes to having uh, ministers come, um, I-, I think it's nice that ministers over time can build a, uh, build a relationship with the people, build, you know, have a connection with the congregation. And Brother Matt certainly feels uh, very much at home here and loves to come. His family loves to come. And so we just want to give him our normal, warm welcome this morning. Open your hearts and just uh, just uh, expect that God's going to speak to us. There may only be a little portion of this service for you, but you want to get it. You want to hear what he has to say. And you want to open your mind and your heart to receive whatever God brings to us this morning. Let's stand to our feet. I stand, I stand in awe of him. Let's sing that this morning, and then we'll just turn it right to Brother Matt. I stand, I stand in awe of you. Yes, I stand, I stand in awe of you. God, to whom all praise is due, I stand. In all of you, yes, I stand, I stand, I stand, I stand in all of 
sing it one more time? Raise your hands to the Lord now. I stand in awe. Oh, I stand. I stand in awe of you. Yes, I stand. I Lord, a hand clap of praise this morning. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. You love him this morning. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Praise God. Certainly good to be here with you. Amen. Appreciate Brother Barry for having me. If you have your Bible, we'll go to the book of Isaiah. <clears throat> we'll just turn straight there to Isaiah 49. Certainly a privilege to be here. And I just trust that you came with an expectation, amen, just to hear from the Lord, and I know he'll always meet that need, amen. I'm going to change that. Let's go to Judges chapter 14. Let's go to Judges chapter 14. I've lost uh, internet connectivity up here, not sure what's happened. Might be on my end though, so. I don't know if the brothers, we lost it or not. It's okay. No worries. Amen. Judges chapter 14. Just want to minister to you this morning. I just, uh, the Lord began to just stir my heart. And uh, just over the last even just few days actually woke me up two nights ago and just had this thought burning upon my heart. I knew I would, uh, I knew I'd be speaking this today. And so just trust that the Lord has something for you. I've got something just burning Amen, upon my heart. And you know, when, when that happens, the Lord works on both ends of the spectrum. And so I know there's a specific need, and God has the answer for that need. Amen. And so we just want to be used as a servant to be able to deliver what He wants to say to you. And I want to raise my hand, and I want you to raise it with me and say, Lord, I want to hear what you want to say to me this morning. Amen. It may come across evangelistic. I'm an evangelist, so I have that license. I carry it in my wallet. I'm an evangelist, so amen. I can do that today. I want to just minister to you, and I just believe the Lord has something. I want to title this, The Value of the Spirit. The Value of the Spirit. Let's begin here in verse 1. And Samson went down to Timnath and saw a woman in Timnath of the daughter's of the Israelites. Glad you got your Bible today because they don't have it on the screen. And, but uh, notice what the scripture says here. He saw, he's seen a woman of the daughters of the Philistines. And he came up and told his father and his mother and said, I have seen a woman in Timnath of the daughters of the Philistines. Now, therefore, get her for me to wife. Your teenagers ever talk to you like that, mom and dad? I've seen it. I want it. Get it. <laughs> this was Samson's. This was, this was what was in Samson's heart. He seen something he wanted, and he wanted it now. Then his father and his mother said unto him, Is there never a woman among the daughters of thy brethren? For or among all my people that thou goest to take a wife of the uncircumcised Philistines. 
And Samson said unto his father, Get her for me, for she pleaseth me well. But his father, notice this verse 4, But his father and his mother knew not that it was of the Lord, that he saw an occasion against the Philistines, for at that time the Philistines had dominion over Israel. Amen. It's amazing sometimes what we see and what God sees. And our perspective, though it's a good one, though it's the mother and father looking this from a, what you would say, you would sympathize with their view. You're going to get a, a Philistine girl, Samson. This is going to end in, 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 in chaos. But God was up to something. And don't ever forget that no matter how your perspective sees a situation, God is doing something. Yeah. Amen. Let's just bow our heads here and we'll just pray and have you be seated. Lord, we thank you for the reading of your word. Believing, Lord, that you're in complete control. Lord, of all things, you're in control of this service, of all situations. Lord, I just believe, God, that you have something impressing, Lord, upon your heart you want to speak. Now, Lord, may you just take us all, both speaker, hearer. Lord, and may you, Father, just sit us down, Lord. Sit us just for a moment, Lord, down and speak to us, we ask. Grant it, Lord, in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. You can be seated. The value of the Spirit. Life is an, an amazing thing, uh, and it's, it's, a, it's a great array of, of choices. We notice this very, and we're going to picture this in Samson's life. We're going to look at just high, little parts of it here today, and then I would like to also look at uh, the life of Jacob, and we'll end there, Lord willing. And I wanted to say here, just at the onset, and I believe the Lord told me this even this morning, we're going to have a youth meeting here, and I'm going to speak. Brother Barry asked me to speak to some of you. Um, how many of you, if you were at our youth camp that we had, raise your hand. I know there was a great number uh, of you. Good. God bless you, those that were there. And so Brother Barry asked me to speak something here tonight, and, uh, and so I just, or today, this afternoon. So I'd just like to say, uh, if you're going to be at that youth afternoon youth meeting, make sure to have your pencil and your paper out because I'm going to be, I want to get feedback from you at 3.30 about what I preach today. All right? So what I'm preaching today, the Lord told me what you're going to speak on this afternoon. I'm going to go ahead and speak on it this morning. And then this afternoon, I want to hear from you. I want to just take your pencil, your paper, and just listen up. Say, Lord, speak to me. What do you have to say today to me? It's amazing because life, as you look at it, we can typify it, and the Bible even does, as a journey. It's a journey that starts, uh, has a beginning, it has a midway point, and then it has an end. Even David speaks of this and says that you've, you, I know that he speaks of his own life at the beginning and that throughout his entire life and then to the end of his life. And life is an array of choices, both large choices and small choices. Samson's life is made up of decisions. It leads him ultimately, we know that we read through the story of Samson's life and he ends uh, very, very much, not the very ending of his life, but his life descends into a mess, a complete mess. It descends into disgrace from a life that started out with such purpose and such planning on God's part. 
Even before Samson was born, God had already planned his life, had already spoken to his mother and father, and he was going to send a, a, a deliverer. And Samson would be one of the many judges that God sends to Israel to deliver them from their oppressors. And so life starts out the beginning. The Bible begins to record in Judges chapter 13 the life of this man, Samson. You know, choice is such an important aspect of your life. Every decision that you make, and I'm speaking both to young people, uh, you at maybe at whatever phase of your life, even if you're 10 years old and 11 years old, 12 years old, even, even I'm speaking to you this morning that God has given you the ability to make a choice. You have free moral agency. You have the ability to decide for yourself. And those of you that are older, you're making bigger choices. Some of you in your 18, 19 uh, years old, 20 years old, up all the way through until you're married, you're making choices that are affecting your life and where you end up and where you're going to be. You can look at your life right now and no matter where you're at and whatever point you're in in your life, you've arrived where you're at today because of choices that you made yesterday. And so we know it's every choice we make, both small and great, has some form of consequence. Whether it's a large consequence or a small consequence, the choices that you make and the decisions, your judgments, the junctions... You come to when you've got to make an important one and life is at a junction and you're at a decision, a a spot to where you you need to make a choice. And those, those choices that we make have consequences, things we listen to, things that we watch, the what we allow to enter into our gates. That's a choice that you make. God doesn't force you that we don't have a book of mandates that we have to live by, uh, to where we have to, we have to, uh, you know, we're not, our lives are not micromanaged by our pastor. They're not even micromanaged by our parents. They're managed to a certain degree, but within that, there's choices that you're making, what you, what, who you associate with, where you go to church, what job you take, what career you take, what state you live in. You get to make these decisions and these choices, and these choices have consequences. We choose who we associate with. We choose who we call our friends. We choose our circles of relationship. Those are choices that we make. And in the larger grand picture, what we find uh, choice after choice is we notice a pattern. You see this in Samson's life. It was a life where he made certain decisions, maybe some that he didn't think would be that consequential, but they proved to, to uh, what, what they were was maybe not one choice that uh, had a... Sometimes it's not one decision that gets one result, but it's a bunch of small decisions that lead to a certain result. Are you following me this morning? And what you find over those choices in our life when God has given you the ability to make a choice and you choose the things that you watch, you choose the things that you allow to enter into your soul. You, you choose how to use your time. And what you notice is if you look at Samson's life, you can almost notice a pattern or I'll say it this way, a trajectory. 
and you can watch where it starts and you can sort of see the way that something is going and you know that if it doesn't change and something doesn't happen, the trajectory is trending the wrong way. And we can look at this in our own life and we can look at our life like a pattern and notice that, you know, I'm here where I'm at. I'm noticing a certain pattern or a certain way that my life is going. And, and it's because of small little choices in your life. An ebb and a flow begins to develop and your final destination of where you end up in life is only a result of the small choices that you make. You could say that today and look at your life around you right now and say that I'm where I'm at, even spiritual things. You know, that maybe you're at a a spot you can look at spiritually and say, I'm very thankful for where the Lord has has brought me to. I'm thankful where I'm at. I may not be perfect, but I'm glad I'm in a church that believes the truth. I'm glad my children, they may not be where they ought to be, but I'm glad they're in church hearing the word of God. Can you say amen this morning? I may not have everything that I need in life, but at least I have a home. I have a roof over my head. I have the love of Christ in my home. You didn't just arrive there. You're there because of small decisions that maybe seem natural to you and small little choices have have given you the life that you have now. You know, serving the Lord can sometimes feel very, very natural. And you don't equate it to I'm really in the, I'm serving the Lord or I'm in the service. You know, our life isn't always in the ethereal. It's not always in the mysterious. And we're not always feeling super spiritual and super spiritually minded. But sometimes serving the Lord is what you do in your everyday natural life when you don't feel so spiritual, but you're just making the right choices. Samson learns this as the Bible says, and I've got to hurry because I've got a lot I want to get to and I don't want to preach all the way till the youth meeting and neither do you want me to do that. <laughs> Very funny, Brother Matt. Samson learns this in the Bible. It's amazing because God anoints his entire life. He anoints him from birth. He anoints him for a purpose. His, his life uh, he wasn't filled. We know that Samson, uh, the Bible says he was filled with the Holy Spirit from his mother's, from his mother's womb. Samson's already filled with the Spirit. Now, you read this in the Bible all the way throughout the Old Testament. You even read that about John the Baptist, that he was filled with the Holy Spirit from his mother's womb. And we know that it's not in the same way to be born by the Spirit of God by a new birth. That's not what the Scripture's speaking of. But you'll find it all the way in the Psalms when David says, Let not thy Holy Spirit depart from me. You remember that in Psalms 51, David's prayer. uh, Take not thine Holy Spirit from me. So that word actually, the filling of the Spirit is... Uh, is the is the the Hebrew word ruach, and I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, not important, but it simply means the breath of God. It means a breathing, or that God would breathe upon somebody, that He breathed into Adam's nostrils the breath, the ruach, the breath of life. And so, when God would anoint a vessel. And no matter who he would take, if it was David, if it was Samson, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, if you read about some of the supernatural exploits and you say, how did they do that? They were filled or anointed with the Holy Spirit. 
wasn't something that changed them from their soul because we know Brother Branham said David longed for that, but the Spirit of God had not even been yet given at that point to dwell in the soul. But it anointed the flesh. It would anoint them and it would make them what they otherwise couldn't be, right? God gave Samson power to kill lions. He would, he would carry a city gate 20 miles. And that gate would weigh 2,000 pounds. Say, how did he do it? The Spirit of God. It was an indwelling power. It was the breath of God that was breathing upon him. And this is what David was expressing when he would say, Don't stop breathing on me, Lord. Don't take your spirit from me, God. He knew what it was to have a connection with the divine. Samson knew what that power was. If you took, I'm saying this and this is important because I want you to understand that apart from that breath of God, these men were mere men. There was nothing special about Samson. He was just like anybody else outside of the Holy Spirit's power breathing upon him. Oh, and let me just say this, outside of the power of the Holy Ghost in your life and in my life, we're just like anybody else. David was just another shepherd, and there was many shepherds. The only thing that made him different was the power or the breath or the Holy Spirit upon his life. Preaching to you today on the value of the Spirit. We should value the Holy Spirit in our life. It was the Spirit of the Lord that enabled them to say what they couldn't otherwise have said. It was, it was, it was the, the breath of God would come upon Old Testament prophets and it would begin to speak. And it wasn't the man at that point. It was a gift that God anointed with his life and his spirit. And then that man would speak what he otherwise couldn't speak. He would become so full of the Spirit of God that Samson could, could take, you take a man like Shamgar and he would slay thousands of Philistines. And you say, how's that possible? The breath of God. The power of God. That's why the Old Testament gives you uh, two simple promises that there would come a man. Now, these weren't the men. These were prefigures. But there would come a man that was so full of the Spirit, so anointed with the Spirit, that he would have all of the abilities of all of the other men throughout all of the Old Testament. He would, he would possess all of the gifts of the Spirit. He would have all of the fruits of the Spirit. He would, and he would, he would possess it in a human life. And that man was Jesus Christ. And the Bible says he had the Spirit without measure. So these men had a measure of that Spirit. And, and then you say, Brother Matt, oh, that's wonderful. Well, the same promise says that he'll take that spirit that's embodied in that one man and he'll pour it onto a church. And that breath or that ruach or that power of God, the spirit of God that enabled these men to be otherwise what they could have never been without it. And Samson's life He's born with this. He's anointed from his... God visits his father Manoah and he begins of Israel's under the oppression of the Philistines and he tells them his wife who's been barren and she is representing Israel because Israel had been barren. They, they, they ended up 
uh, afflicted by the Philistines. They didn't get there by accident. It wasn't just misfortune. It wasn't just, oh, well, you know, the grab bag of life just ended up this way. No, it was years of rebellion against God. And God then sends the Philistines. And you know what he does? He uses the devil as a tool to chastise his own children. And God can anoint certain people, certain people that you maybe not get along with too well, and you don't know it's God using them as a tool to chastise you to get your attention. Samson's life, we, we, we're, we, his life is anointed from birth, and it's a very special anointing. It's very specific. And when God anoints his life, there's a very specific purpose. He doesn't just do it. He doesn't just, uh, it doesn't just, he doesn't give out. Uh, he, He doesn't just give this out like candy to anybody that wants it. But he had a very specific anointing. It was a very special anointing in his life. And the Bible says this in Judges chapter 13. I want you to turn and just keep your Bible uh, very handy with you if you could just while we go through this. We're going to turn to a lot of scriptures, but I just want to make sure you read it and it would be a good teaching lesson for you. I know you've, I know you've uh, heard of Samson and it's been taught on many times, but let's just look at this from, a, from this perspective here. Notice what it says here in verse 3. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto the woman and said unto her, Behold, now thou art barren. Remember, she's representing Israel. They're barren. But even in the barrenness, God says, And and bearest not, but thou shalt conceive and bear a son. Now therefore beware, I pray thee, and drink not wine nor strong drink, or eat not any unclean thing. For lo, thou shalt conceive and bear a son. No razor shall come on his head, for the child shall be a Nazarite unto God from the womb. And notice this, here's his purpose. Here's God's plan before he's born. Please listen, young people. Before he breathes his first breath, God has a plan. He has a blueprint. He's engineered it. He's structured it. He's laid it all out. He's not just working aimlessly and sort of making it up as he goes. I got this man. He's struggling. So I'll sort of make a plan. You know, that's how we plan by the seat of our pants. We just sort of come up with it as we go. But God's a very good planner. He plans not just the first 10 years of Samson's life, but he's actually looked over the entire spectrum of his life and everything he would go through. And God, this is God's purpose. Notice this here. This is the blueprint. And notice this here again. He says, for the child shall be a Nazarite unto God. Uh, Let let me back up here. He says in verse 5, for the child shall be a Nazarite from the womb and he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. He shall begin what was barren, what has not born, what doesn't have life, what doesn't have fruit. God says, but I've seen your barrenness. I've seen your, I've seen, I've seen your dry places. I've seen the wastelands. And so I'm going to breathe upon this man. And he's going to deliver, he's going to begin delivering 
my family from their oppressors. He shall begin to deliver them out of the hand of the Philistines. Now, we know that if you back up here and look in the story even of Judges, why God sent Judges. Israel's rebellious. They're going through rebellion. And so God, they had, as a result of that, of their backsliding, they were under oppression uh, uh, by the enemy. And God raises up this enemy to oppress them. But God says, now I've heard your cries. And he hears their cries and he begins to deliver them. And so he's going to use judges. Now, the word in your Bible, judge, when you read the book of Judges, is not like a judicial judge, like what you would think. But actually, the, the word judge means savior. That's what it means. And he shall begin to save. This was what Samson was. This is what uh, all of the judges, no matter which one you look, all the way through uh, the book of Judges, God would send saviors. No, not savior like the sense of Christ being saved from your sin. But the word saved means delivered. That's what it means when you say, when were you saved? What are you saying? I was saved. I was delivered. I know it's become a cliche amongst denominational churches. Are you saved? What does it mean? Delivered. I've been delivered. What are you saying when you can say, I was saved? It doesn't mean a time when you just got down at an altar and you repented and you signed your name on a book or you recited the sinner's prayer, but it means you were delivered from your sins. And so Samson was, these judges were a savior. It means they were a deliverer. He shall begin to deliver the people from the Philistines. Are you here? It was something he was born with, anointed, consecrated, a consecration in his life. He was separate. He was a Nazarite unto God. He was a separated vessel. And God says, I've anointed him. I'm going to, he's going to be a consecrated vessel. And that consecration and that separation is what's going to enable him. Without it, he's not enabled. Without it, he's like any other person. Now, you take it for uh, Hollywood has the picture of, of Samson as this great big, you know, world, you know, uh, uh, muscle-bound bodybuilder man. Brother Branham says he was just a little shrimp. That's his words. Just a little shrimp. You know, we used to call kids that in school, little bitty, you know, their their arms were no bigger than your pinky. Just a little shrimp. Now you can see why Delilah would say, tell me where in thy great strength lieth. She would have never said that about a big muscle-bound man, but she's, it's a mystery because he's just this little bitty guy with this great big power. He was just like anybody else. You see where the supernatural gift of God lays in your life? It's not by how good you are or how high of a mark you hold or how great you are in the checks and the, and the wins and the losses category. It has nothing to do with that. You're just like anybody else. But you've got the breath of the living God that is breathing upon your life and it enables you to do what you shouldn't be able to do. And so his life is anointed, it's consecrated 
It's a vessel, a consecrated vessel to God. And yet with all that consecration, and with all of that separation, with all of that special anointing, Samson's life is filled with one bad choice after another bad choice after another bad choice after another bad choice. He's born. God's going to give him. I just want to slow down here just for a moment. He's going to give Samson many victories. We could, we could, pre, we could just cover that part of his life, but we're not going to today. It's not just all negative. There's positive if you read the story of Samson, victories that God, that God wrought out of this man's life. He's born under this Nazarite vow, as we said. He, he, he's born under this promise. And God says, you're not to eat any. Don't eat any. He tells his mother, don't drink any strong drink. Don't eat any unclean thing because I've got a special purpose. In his life. He's going to be separated. He's going to be a Nazarite. Yet he's not going to be a monk. He's not going to live in a monastery. He's not going to take him and anoint him. And take him into a hiding place. And just shroud him in. And cover him in. And don't ever see no evil. And never let him hear anything. Or contact the outside world. But God says I'm going to make him separate. I'm going to make him a Nazarite. I'm going to consecrate him. But I'm not going to hold him back in the mountain somewhere. I'm going to put him right in the middle of the enemy. So God says you're to live a separate life. Consecrated life. Anointed life in the midst of the rest of the dying world. Because your light is supposed to shine. Is that what the Bible says? Is that what the Bible says? Your light is to shine, not to be off somewhere, uh, not, not to be hidden somewhere, but, but let the world see your good works. Let your light shine so that they might glorify your Father which is in heaven. And his life is anointed. So God is, in other words, God says he's going to begin to deliver my people from the Philistines. In other words, God has drawn the blueprints. Even before he was born, he's laid out his path. He's charted Samson's course. And you will live under the conflict of that charted course and your human nature until you surrender to God. Listen, young person, I don't care to say young, you might be 20, you might be 40 and never have surrendered. You might be 50 and never surrendered to the true plan of God for your life. And you will live in a constant, if you're a seed of God, if you're a child of God, if you're a son of the King, uh, hear my words today, you'll live under the conflict and the pressure and the struggle your whole life, as long as God's got a plan for your life and you struggle with your own human will, it'll be a conflict until you raise up your hands and say, I surrender, Lord. And so God had charted the course. It was His plan and His calling and His anointing. And He had already seen Samson's life from the beginning to the end. That's why Jeremiah, you know the scripture very well. Uh, Jeremiah says, for I know the thoughts. Which if you look up that word thoughts, it means plans. 
I know the plans that you have made for me. The plans of good and not of evil. Is that what the scripture says? And to give me an expected end. What does that mean? It means God, Jeremiah is saying, I know the plans that, that long before I was on this earth, you already planned my birth. You planned if, 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 God, if, if, you, if I go before by the way of a grave, you've planned my burial. You've planned it all the way from the beginning to the middle age, to the late middle age, to the old age. All the way, every junction, every spot, every decision, every choice, every challenge. Every pressure. God says, I've charted the whole course for you. All you have to do is surrender your will and get on my will. And as long as you're not living on that will, there will be a conflict. The Bible saying that God charts the course of every life with a specific purpose specific instructions, a specific job. Even Pharaoh, the Bible says, God says, for I've raised him up. He was going to serve a certain purpose. Judas was going to serve a certain purpose. But the believer was also going to serve a certain purpose. I want to say today, I'm not going to be a Pharaoh. I'm not going to be a Judas. I'm going to be a believer of the word. And I'm going to make the choice. Listen to me. I want to just say this as the Lord inspired it to me uh, the, the, the day before yesterday. You're, you're living in an age of uh, uh, like unparalleled, like never before. An atmosphere of fear, an atmosphere of anxiety. You live in a world that's on the, on the, sitting on the edge of their seat on the news channel waiting. What's going to be next? What's the next variant? What's the next trouble? What's the next war? Uh, did, did they fire a missile? Is there another disease? It's constant, a constant cycle of fear. And let me just say this to you, believer. You've got to make a choice to believe the word. You've got to make a choice to say, Lord, I'm going to choose to believe. Because we're coming to an hour where you're going to have to be a believer. It ain't going to be talking about I'm a believer. And I go to a message church. You're actually going to have to be a believer. And I want to say, Lord, let me be a believer. I choose today to believe what you've spoken. You've got to choose that. Because you can choose to live in fear. You choose that. You choose to live separated and isolated in fear to yourself. You make that choice. That's for free. It wasn't here. You can, you can give the offering to Brother Barry. <laughs> what we find is that God had a blueprint, a life, a charted course. Listen, a charted plan. Samson, the whole life, I've anointed you. I've, I've, I've consecrated you. I've separated you. I've got a purpose. But even with all the blueprint, with all the planning, with all the charting of a course, with all the anointing on Samson's life, yet he was also a man with a memory, conscience, reasoning, imagination, affection. 
And there was something in the midst of all of that anointing and all of that consecration and all of that planning and all of that. And you say, Brother Matt, I receive it today. Oh, thank God. You've planned my course. You've charted my life. You already know all about it. Do you know the end from the beginning? But don't forget, there's something very important in the middle of all of that. And that's called free moral agency. And you've got to choose. The cost of a choice, something so small that has such large consequences. Oh my, I'm so behind time. Can you give me mercy and grace this morning? Give me mercy and give me grace and I'll try to control my pace, okay? (laughs) Judges 14, turn there in your Bible if you could. We read this, and I just want to cover it just one more time. Notice this choice he makes, and we don't even, we cover this just at the very beginning. His life starts out, and he's making this horrible decision to take this woman. Now, we know what follows this bad choice. I've seen her. I want her. Give her to me. But Samson, Samson, is there not another woman of your own people? And you've got to go choose from the uncircumcised. So look what follows that life. And uh, look what follows that choice that he makes. Chaos. To the point, and we don't want to cover it today, but he, he, he breaks his Nazarite valley. He goes and touches a dead animal. Then there's a riddle. And then he's murdering the brothers of this woman's betrothed to another man. And then there's carnage and murder and people are dead. You say, Brother Matt, how did all the smoke go up and the house is on fire? How did it get there? The wrong choice, Samson. We go further than that. Samson comes to a place in his life and we just, we, we're going to go through this quickly, so just stay there with me. He, he, we go through this choice and he has a mother and a father. and Then the Bible says that he goes and he lays with a harlot. And the Bible says he, he's there laying at midnight. And he begins to no doubt at midnight in his life, he begins to survey his own decisions. And he's surveying as we do many times in our life when we get quiet and we get by ourselves and we collect our thoughts. You know, it's important. It's important to do that. I was reading a, just watching a, a, um, a just a little documentary thing that I I watch sometimes and the man was speaking about the importance of boredom. Yeah. You ought to look it up. It's real good. How that actually boredom is a very essential tool that God created something within you to where that boredom that you feel is a time of your life to where you ponder. You weren't made to always just be constantly doing this, speaking in thumbs. You were made to assess, to evaluate, to look introspectively on your life. And the Bible says Samson's laying it in mid, until midnight. He's, 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 uh, the, he's already committed the sin. He's take, took and slept with the harlot. And he's laying in, the, the Bible says he's laid till midnight. And no doubt that inward voice begins to convict him. That voice of that spirit that 
He had just, he, he had, he had, he had ran the opposite way. God had tried many different things in his life to get his attention. He starts with a mother and a father. And God uses this mom to try to plead with him, try to reason with him. Manoah, the father, says, Samson, he's trying to plead with him. Surely there's another woman. You know what Samson didn't recognize is that his mother and his father were actually vessels of mercy that God had used in his life to try to steer his course the other way. But he looked at him as, ah, it's mom. It's just mom. Oh, yeah, mom. It's just dad. Oh, dad, you say the same thing oh, every single time. You know, it's important that you recognize the vessels of mercy God places in your life. Could be the pastor. Could be a sermon. Could be a prayer. Someone prays for you, or reaches out to you, and you just think it's that brother or that sister or Joe. It's just, it's just brother Joe or it's just brother sister such and such. Just mom, just dad, just the pastor. He always says that. And little do you know, it's actually the voice of your Creator, who's anointed that vessel of mercy to try to reach out a hand to you. And you know what Samson does to that mother and that father and that vessel of mercy? He just barges over it. He just kicks it out of the way. Just headlong going to keep going. Voices trying to stop him. It's like warning signs. You know, you go through a road that's closed and they have the, the big barriers up there if your city's under construction. And they've, they've, got, they've got the construction barriers and the yellow flashing lights and they've got the barricades and they put up sandbags with barricades. You know what they're trying to do? They're trying to stop you. Stop! A big sign, road closed! You ever seen those signs down on the interstate? And you're going in the left lane, it's merge right, merge right, left lane closed, one mile ahead. And you keep on that merging lane, left lane co- closed, half a mile ahead. You stay in that lane, left lane closed, eighth of a mile ahead. And you just stay in, you ever seen those drivers, they just stay in that lane till the very last second. And you know what Samson does? Samson stays in that lane, stays in that lane, stays in that lane, but he never merges He just goes right through one barricade, right through the next barricade, through mama's prayers, through daddy's prayers, through the pastor's sermon, through the encouragement by his friends, and he's just kicking over barricading, kicking over barricading, kicking over barricading. And he just goes in his life, and you see the trajectory of his life as this pattern. He just goes right past all of the barricades. Because slowly the value of the Spirit is becoming less and less and less and less. He takes for granted the power of the Spirit in his life. Even down to the point where you find it in the Bible when he's laying in the lap of Delilah and the Bible King James says it this way. He says he shook himself, said I'm going to shake myself as other times before. And he wist not that the Spirit of the Lord had departed from him. How tragic. But I tell you what, he didn't arrive there overnight. 
But it was just a slow, slow, gradual decision, 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 decision. Choosing the wrong friend when God sent you the right friends, but you choose the wrong friends. Listen to me, young people. You'll never live higher than the influence you subject yourself to. You'll never live higher than that. Ever. It's in every category of human life. Even take a, 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 I'm going to use a carnal example, take a high school player. He'll never play. You know how he starts to play at the collegiate level? He gets around collegiate athletes. He'll never play at a pro level until he goes pro and then he's playing in the atmosphere and the ability of that pro level and then that same collegiate player becomes a pro player. You'll never live higher than the friends you subject yourself to. Oh boy, we already got ourselves into something here. You choose, you make that choice. You make that choice. And you know what? Let me just say this to you, young people. Uh, those of you, because you've got to be so careful because little cliques start to form and little groups start to form within a youth group and within a church. And you got, sometimes they label, these are the spiritual ones and these are the unspiritual ones. Well, let me just give you what the Bible says. You who are spiritual, mark them off your list. Don't have anything to do with them. Just cross them out. They're done. Send their day of grace away and shun and shame. Is that what the Bible says? Scripture says, you who are spiritual, go and restore them. (laughs) Oh, let me just say, if there was ever a time where we needed each other, and it should be one all for one and one for all, it's now. It's 2021. Right now, more than ever before, you ought to be pulling for each other. You ought to have each other's back. You ought to be praying for each other. And don't disclude anyone. Hello? Samson goes, just blows right over it, just pushes it out of the way. And he comes all the way down to the valley of Sorek. And he goes in this, under this harlot named Delilah. It's incredible because what is a Nazarite? Nazarite's someone who's Separated, Brother Branham said, and I don't have the quote here before me with the PowerPoint. Brother Branham says, you're a spiritual Nazarite. Does God still have Nazarites? Someone in Israel who took a vow at birth to be separate from the world. They didn't drink wine, they, which represented them worldly passion and lust. They wouldn't touch or come, come in contact with anything dead. And that's why Brother Branham said, stay away from dead things. We believe things should have life, not death. We're not the dead body of Christ. We're the living body of Christ. They don't touch anything dead. Dead represents spiritual death. Anything that would, that would, that would cause harm to their spiritual man. They wouldn't shave their head. It was a sign of consecration. A crown of consecration is actually how, how uh, uh, if you have a Schofield Bible, it speaks of the crown of consecration. It spoke of something that they took unto themselves. They were, they were 100% in the world, but yet they were 100% separated from the world. 
Samuel was a Nazarite. John the Baptist was a Nazarite. Jesus, these were, these were Samson who, who lived in a period where he's, he's separated. He's going to be a deliverer. He's going to be a savior. He's going to have an anointed life. He's going to live apart and separate from the rest of the world. But you know, as much as God had a blueprint and a plan and a structure and he charted the course, Satan was also busy drawing his own blueprints. Uh-huh. And Satan studied all the weaknesses. Remember Brother Burley preached at the camp, the imploding of a building and how those engineers would go in there and they'd study the weak points of that building. They'd place charges on all of the weak points what structurally was holding that building up. And then you watch as they detonated those charges, that building just... This is exactly what happened to Samson. Satan had, Satan had, had a desire to rob Samson of everything God had planned. He was going to use a woman ultimately named Delilah. You know what Delilah represents? Even in her name, in the meaning of her name, you could look this up as I did this morning. There's many different ones. Do you know what she represents? To slack off. I'm just going to read it to you. To slack off, to ease up, to lose intensity. Almost like driving in a vehicle and you're, you got to, you're going down the road and then you just ease up. You just sort of just ease up off the gas. Samson starts out strong and with vigor and his life is separated. He's a judge. And there's exploits. And then there's a, the Bible records a 20-year span where there's nothing recorded of any kind of victory. It was all defeat and struggle. It was a point in his life to where a period in his life there was no more victories. There was no more spiritual uh, victory for Israel over their enemy. But he eases up. He lets off. He, he loses his intensity. And for 20 years, he stays in the state of lost zeal. You can spend years in lukewarmness. You can spend years sitting on a church pew but you've lost your intensity. He loses that passion, that zeal. And Delilah, as he lays in the lap and she woos him and she webs him as, the, as, the, as she even begins to web his hair. What's the secret? Oh, if I have my hair be put in braids. And so she weaves his hair into little, you know what it was representing? What the devil was trying to do. It was just an attack of the enemy. And just like the devil tries to web you in, and man, he'll spin you in, whether it's, I don't care if it's some, you say, Brother Madison, whether it's some heinous sin or some awful thing, it doesn't have to be some dark, heinous, uh, sinful thing. He can web you in with a job. He can spin you in with a business ambition. I'm speaking from experience here. A business ambition, right ambition. It's good to be ambitious, good to be successful, good to better yourself, good to excel. But let the devil weave his plan in there. And that same career and that same job, that same business that could have been a blessing now becomes a curse. 
And he can web you in, whether it's a career or a job or sports or activities or friends or no matter what it is. And he begins to spin him in and spin him in and spin him in to a point to where Samson's just lulled to sleep and lulled to sleep and lulled to sleep and lulled. Lower and lower and lower and lower. And he's lost his intensity. course we know the story and i'm just going to go just cover right over this here we know the story of samson as he tells a secret and he finally gives it away and they come in and they bind him with brass it's amazing fetters of brass the bible says and brother Branham says brass represents judgment and here's samson now the picture of a man bound they put out his eyes and now he's blind and he's bound He's lost his intensity. He's lost his zeal. He's lost his passion. And you say, oh, what an awful thing. Oh, Samson, what an awful thing, the adultery uh, that, that you would lay with this woman and that, that this would take. That wasn't, that wasn't, listen to me, that wasn't the, the tragedy of Samson. The tragedy was not the sin The tragedy was that he lost the value of the Spirit or the breath of God in his life. It meant nothing to him. It it didn't mean what it used to mean anymore. And now he's lost that and he's bound. Let me just say to you today, Samson was bound long before they put fetters of brass on him. They put out his eyes. But let me say to you today, Samson was blind long before they put out his eyes. You see, his outward outward, uh, condition only spoke representatively of what had taken place down in his heart. And he made the wrong choice. But yet God's mercy is so great to Samson. Yet even in the end of his life, as Brother Brandon preaches the message just once more, Lord, what a prayer. Even at the end of it all, we we get the record of Scripture that Samson destroys more Philistines when he dies than when he, in his entire life. You come to a man, I'm going to close here. Can I, is it okay, Brother Barry, can I have about 15 more minutes? I don't feel like I've been that long, but maybe I have. Gideon will tell me afterwards, he'll be honest with me. It's amazing God deals with this man. I'm just going to take a shift here. and We're going to close. He deals with this man, Jacob. And I want you to turn, if you could, to Genesis chapter 28, just quickly. Here was another, another man with an anointing upon his life that even before they were born, God says, Jacob, have I loved. Paul in the New Testament says, before he had ever done good, before he had ever done evil, there's an election that God has for this man. There was a seed, something in his life. God says, I've anointed Jacob. Yet this is another man with free moral agency and the ability to make a choice. And God appears in Genesis chapter 28, If you could have that, do you have that to display? Is that okay? You can't, that's fine, that's all right. 
So God appears to, to Jacob here. And I just want to pick it up here. And it says in verse 16, let me make sure I'm reading with you because I have it in my notes here. I'll just pull up Genesis 28. Notice what he says here to Jacob. He gives him this promise in verse 15. Notice this promise to this anointed life, this man who God had blueprinted this man's life. And notice this promise. He says here, and behold, I am with thee. Now that's going to be so important. I am with thee and will keep thee in all places, every decision, every choice, every junction, every high spot, every low spot, every challenge, every time you don't understand, even when you do understand. And I will keep thee in all places whether thou goest and will bring thee again into this land for I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken to thee of. You find the same exact promise in Jesus when he says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Now here's Jehovah reciting that same promise to this man, Jacob. Jacob, I'm with thee. And he says, and I will keep thee. And all the places, now you're going to go a lot of places, Jacob. You're going to go a lot of places I never told you to go. You're going to make a lot of decisions that I didn't tell you to make. You're going you're gonna to make a lot of, because Jacob's life is going to be one that just unravels until he comes to a place in his life and he's wrestling the Lord. But long before Jacob wrestles the Lord, Jacob's wrestling Jacob. He's wrestling the purpose that God had placed in his life and he's in this contention that I spoke about. He's in this conflict. But God says, you're going to go a lot of places, Jacob. You're going to, you're going to, I'm going to appear to you here because God is going to appear. And this is a dream that Jacob has. Notice, let's just carry on. Verse 16. And, and Jacob woke out of his sleep. And he said, surely the Lord is in this place. And I knew it not. And he was afraid and said, how dreadful. That word dreadful in English means awesome is this place. This is none other but the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. This is Bethel. This is where God places him. And notice what Jacob does here. And Jacob rose up early, took the stone that he had put for his pillows, set it up for a pillar and poured oil on the top of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel. But the name of that city was called Luz at the first. And Jacob vowed a vow saying, if God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and raiment to put on so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then shall the Lord be my God. And this stone which I have set for a pillar shall be God's house. And all of that that thou shalt give me, I shall surely give thee a tenth unto thee. This is God's house. This is Bethel. This is the altar. This is where God dealt with him, where he, where he seen the vision of the Lord. And he awoke up and he says, Oh, this was such a special experience. And so much that it's so special to Jacob that he takes the stone he had been laying upon because the dream that God had given him and the promise that he had given him 
had such value to Jacob. And Jacob takes and he's just doing anything. You ever done that? Something so special the Lord done for you and you just want to take something natural. You just want to take a piece from it. And say, this is something, I, I got it as a memento. I just got, this is, a, this is a memorial. Something I wanted to have that I could, I could look at naturally and just remember what God did for me there. Jacob takes a stone and he says, here's the stone my head was upon when the dream came to me and the promise came to me. I'll be with you wherever you go. I'll keep thee and I won't leave thee. I won't leave thee, Jacob, until I brought you into the place which I, which I promised unto you. And Jacob takes that stone and he lays it and he takes the oil and he starts to pour the oil over the stone. Now God is watching what Jacob is doing. And he pours that anointing oil. And he says, this, I'm going to call this Bethel, the house of God, the house of bread, where God visited me, where God promised me. I want you to notice how powerful this promise is that God gives Jacob. He says, I'll keep thee in all the places, wherever thou goest, verse 15, and I will bring thee again into this land, for I will not leave thee This is my promise, Jacob. This is God's promise to his children. As he says in the book of Isaiah, can a mother forget her suckling babe? Yea, they may forget, but I'll never forget thee. For I have engraved thee. I want you to look at this with me, and I hate to to, to have you do this. Turn if you could, Isaiah 49. Quickly, it's where we're going to read. Isaiah chapter 49 you don't get it here, I'll just begin reading it. Can a woman, verse 14, Isaiah 49, look at this powerful promise he gives him. He says, can a woman forget her suckling child, Isaiah 49, verse 14, that she should not have compassion on the son of her womb? Yea, they may forget that baby. Say, how? How can a woman forget her baby? God says, maybe. Yea, they may forget. Yet I will not forget thee. I want you, I'm speaking to you who maybe came this morning and you're in despair of your family or despair of circumstance or something that just seems like it's an unmovable mountain and it'll never move. I want you to hear the promise of God. I will never forget you. Lord, have you forsaken me? I've prayed and prayed. Do you even hear my prayers? I hear your prayers. I'll never forget you. I'll never leave you. Behold, I have graven thee upon the palms of my hands. Thy walls, notice, thy walls are continually before me. Do you know what this word means? It's the Greek or the Hebrew word shoma. And I've looked up that word choma, and you can look it up at home if you've got a lexicon. You can look at it. It's powerful. He says, I'll never forget you. I'll never leave you. Behold, your walls are continually before me. That The word for walls literally means joined to a wall. Joined to a wall. Do you know what God is, you know what God's actually saying? This is speaking of captivity, speaking of a prison. And God says, when you're in prison, 
I'm in prison. When you're bound, I'm right there. Your walls are continually before me. This is, this is, this is, let me give you the New Testament's words. I'm touched by the feelings of your infirmities. He's a high priest who can be touched by the feelings of what you feel. He feels of what you see. He sees of the discouragement. God sees. I will never forget you. I'll never leave you. Your walls, Jacob, no matter where you go, I'm going to go. No matter what you do, I'm going to be there. I'm going to keep you no matter where you go. I'll never leave you nor forsake you to the end of the world. I'll never forget you. Uh, I can be touched by the feelings of your infirmities. I'm joined. It's also a word for a mason. When a mason takes a block and he takes a block and what does he do? He joins it to another block and then he joins it to another block and then he joins it. God says, here are you, here am I. Here are you, here am I. I'm so intrinsically connected to your life that I'm part of every aspect and every piece. Jacob, I never leave you. He was disobedient. His name means supplanter. Ron, shyster. But you know what? That anointed servant took his family, took it all the way down to rock bottom. Here's the leader. Here's the man of the house. The home is held up by the man. That's how it should be. The spiritual provider. Natural, spiritual, emotional. All of the support, the whole building is held up by this man. And Jacob's crumbling. And he's disobedient. And he runs from God. God says, go left, he goes right. God says, go down, he goes up. He's just, he's wrestling. He's wrestling his own human will with God's plan. And he goes, he goes the opposite way. And he takes his family to, 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 to rock bottom. His sins are wrecking his children, wrecking his home, wrecking his wife, wrecking the atmosphere. But here's the promise of God. It was God at Bethel. God appeared to him supernaturally. He sees a ladder and the angels ascending and descending. Him. And he sees the Lord and he hears God speak to him. And he says, I'm with thee and will keep thee. In all the places where thou go, and I'll bring thee again to this land. I'll not leave thee. I'll not leave thee. Just make sure you get this clear in your head as a believer. You may forsake God, but God will never forsake you. You may leave Him, but He will never leave you. You may give up on Him, but He'll never give up on you. You may quit on God, but God will never quit on you. God says, you may be unfaithful, but I'll stay faithful. You may go the wrong way, Jacob, but I'll be right there beside you. And I'll keep preaching to you. And I'll keep encouraging you. And you may sit there and act like it means nothing. But I'm going to keep anointing you until I get your faith to the level where you can accept it for yourself. I'm going to keep pouring it on you, Jacob. I'm going to keep encouraging you. I'm going to be there. I'm never going to leave.
You know why? Say, God, why would you do that? God, he's, he's forsaken you. He's, my goodness, he's turned his back completely on you. Why would you do that? God says, because I've joined myself. You see, you've got to understand that, that when God makes a promise, God joins himself to you. He's connected to you. I'm joined to Jacob. And that means no matter where Jacob goes, I go. I've joined myself to Jacob. I made a promise. Jacob woke out of his sleep. He said, surely the Lord is in this place and I knew it not. And so he goes from this awesome place. And you know what? 20 years, 20 years, just like Samson, 20 long years elapse from this experience where he's anointing the rock and he's anointing the pillow, that, the stone that he slept upon. And oh God, he's awesome in this place. And then you go 20 years, years of trial, torment, sorrow, struggle, pain, loss, collateral damage, chaos, ruin. But let me just say this. Throughout every single month and every single day and every single hour and every single minute and every single second of 20 years, God is right beside him. And never leaves. Never leaves. But all of that time, God has always joined. Jacob settles. He leaves Bethel. He leaves Bethel. God never told him to leave. But he settles down, forgets the glory, forgets the passion, forgets that experience. He becomes lustful and backslidden. And so God, look at Genesis 31. 31, I promise I'm not going to be too much longer. Genesis 31. Just give me a few more minutes. Can you say amen? Jacob settles down, backslidden, and then God, in the midst of all of his backsliding, in the midst of all of his, his, his turning from God, God says in Genesis chapter 31, I want you just to look at that with me at verse 13. Notice what God says to him. I am the God of Bethel. I'm not the God of your backsliding. Hello, somebody. I'm not the God of your lukewarmness. I'm not the God of your deadness. I'm not the God of your sin. And no matter what addiction you've put in your life, I'm not that God. I'm the God of Bethel, Jacob. I'm not the God of your compromise. I'm the God. God reminds him in verse 13, I'm the God of Bethel, where thou anointest the pillar. Notice, God's seen that. God noticed when Jacob did that. You, you make a commitment to God, you think, oh, I just did that. No, God heard that. I'm the God of Bethel. I, I'm, I'm where thou vowed a vow unto me. Now arise. Here's the word of God. Not Jacob, look at the mess you've made. I'm just going to give up on you. I'm going to find somebody else. No. That's not the voice of my heavenly father. That might be the voice of people or Christians who aren't representing God well to you. Maybe they're not who they should be. But here's the voice of the Lord. Arise. Verse 13. 
Get thee out from this land and return unto the land of thy kindred. I'm the God of Bethel, Jacob. What's he doing? Come back, Jacob. Come back to Bethel. Come back to where they anoint us, where you anointed the pillar. Come back, Jacob. Get out of this land. It's a mess, Jacob. You've got to get out of here. Look at the chaos it's caused you. I'm the God of Bethel. Remember how I spoke to you. Remember how I touched you. Remember your promises to me and go back to that altar, Jacob. Go back. You say, Brother Matt, surely after all of that, Jacob turns around and says, okay, Lord. No, no, sadly. Sadly, Genesis 33, Jacob goes to Shechem. Goes to Shechem. No, Bethel's that way. That way, Jacob. That way. Go back that way. Turn around. No, no. Going to, going to Shechem. Genesis 33. Look at, look at this with me quickly. He goes to Shechem. Maybe we, we just won't read it. Let me just cover this. You know what Hebrew, the Hebrew word for Shechem means? means going back. Now, not going back to Bethel, but backsliding. That's what Shechem means. It means going back, and it also means a place of burdens. Place of burdens. I don't have time to, to cover this, to preach this, but let me just say, when you refuse the plan of God and you don't do what God told you to do, and you don't go to the place God told you to go, you know where you arrive at? The place of burdens. He goes to the place of burdens, and boy, is it going to be a place of burdens. Trouble. From the very first moment, trouble. His house is dishonored, his daughter's defiled. And and here's this chaos, just like that. Jacob's going, is going his own way, and now Dean is in trouble, and now his sons or brothers are going to rescue her from this man. And you just you ask yourself, you read this, and you go, Jacob, what are you doing? What did you think would happen? The Bible says that Dina, his daughter, when he goes to Shechem, she's seen the daughters of the land. So she goes and makes the wrong associations with unbelievers. What did you expect would happen? Jacob, what did you really think was going to come of this? And now this chaos, and, and, and we don't have time to cover it, but it's, it's complete horror that follows. All the way down to Genesis 35, I want you to notice this. And I'm going to close. Musicians, could you come? Could you come? All the way down to this point in his life. You know what God's going to say to Jacob? You know what you would have expected from your father? Expected him to sit you down. And say, Jacob, what about Dina? 
Look what happened. Look what happened to your family. Play something if you could, just something soft. What about, what about your family? What about the chaos? Look at what's happened, Jacob. You'd expect a father to sit him down and scold him and just to say, my, look at the mess you've made. You know what God does? God never even mentions it. You know why? Because there's enough conviction already happening down on the inside of Jacob. And here he's made this mess out of his family. He's made a mess out of his home. It'd be easy for a person who gets to that place to where all they can look at in their life is the mess they've created. Very easy for that person just to go, what's the use? It's too late now. Even hearing the voice of God, it's too late now. I've already made a mess out of it. It's very easy, and you would think God would, Jacob, look at the trouble you've caused. But I want you to notice what God says to Jacob when he sits him down to talk to him. Verse 1 of Genesis 35. God said unto Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel. He doesn't mention doesn't mention the chaos in Shechem. He just looks at him again and his word's still the same. Still the same. Still the same voice. Rise, Jacob. Go to Bethel and dwell there. Don't just visit. Don't just come on Sunday morning. Get a spiritual experience. But pack up your family. Pack up your home. Get your daughters. Get your sons. Go back to Bethel and dwell there and make an altar unto God. Go back to the place. Then Jacob said unto his household, Now here's the father doing the right thing, making the right choice after making so many wrong decisions. Here's the father. Jacob said unto his household, And all that were with him, put away the strange gods that are among you, and be clean, and change your garments, and let us arise. This is the best thing you can do, Dad. It's the best thing you can do, Mom. Teenager, I don't care who you are today. You don't need to stop and recount all of the mess-ups and recount all the mistakes and let the devil bog you down with all the mess you made. The best thing you can do is say, let's put away the strange garments. Let's put on clean clothes and let's go back to Bethel. Let's arise. Could you stand to your feet this morning and say, Lord, I'm going back to Bethel. I'm going to go back to the place of my first experience. I'm going to go back to the value. Could you say that today with a hand raised? Maybe bow your head with me and say, Lord, I'm going to rise. I'm going to rise. I'm going to put away my strange gods. I'm going to put on clean clothes, Jacob says. We're going to be clean. We're going to go back to Bethel. Nothing better you can do. Nothing better God can use than for just a simple heart, simple faith. Doesn't need some magical, doesn't need some great or grand. Just a hand or a voice that will raise, a head that will bow and say, Lord, I want to go back. I want to go back, Lord. I want to go back to to the value 
of the Spirit. I want to go back. I want to rise. I want to forget what's been yesterday. I want to look to the promise of today. I want to look to your promise. I'm raising my hand right now, Lord, saying, Lord, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to believe in faith. I'm going to accept the promise. I might have left you, but I'm grateful today, Lord, you never left me. Might have given up on you, but you've never given up on me. And I'm here to say thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for mercy. Thank you for love. That you've never stopped. You've never quit. You've never been unfaithful. Grant it, Lord, to every hand, every voice that's raised. I raise both my hands right now, Jesus. Lord, I raise both my hands in admission. Say, Lord, I've not always went where you told me to go. I've, I've, I've not always followed faithfully like I should have. But today, Lord, I'm going to raise my hand and say, take me back, oh God. Take me back to my first love, to that first experience where you breathed down upon my family and upon my home. Oh, I wonder if there'd be a mom here who'd pray and say, Lord, would you breathe upon my home again? Would you breathe upon my children? A father, teenager who would say, Lord, would you breathe upon my life? Let the Spirit of God stir my home and stir my spirit. Let me rid myself of anything unclean. It's not a time to lose my intensity. I want to regain my intensity. I want to put the pedal to the metal. I want to serve you today like never before, God. Jesus, you see those hands. Pray you bless and honor it, Lord. Every prayer, every request, Lord. Grant it to us, Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. Break every chain, break every chain. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. Break every chain, break every chain. There's an army rising up. There's an army rising up. There's an army. Every chain, break every chain, break every chain. Sing it again now. Oh, there's an army rising up. There's an army rising up. There's an 
rising up to break every chain, break every chain, break every Close your eyes, just sing it now. Worship Him. Be pleasing. Let it be pleasing to you. think that the Lord has spoken to us this morning. I think this was meant for us. And let me just say this. If you feel like that maybe you're on the road to Shechem and you want God to open your eyes and you're running from God and you want God to help you right where you are as you realize in Shechem things are not going to go so well. If I continue to pursue this path, it's not going to go so well. There's no better day, there's no better moment for you to make a surrender to Christ than today. Than right today. If you've never made that full surrender, like the girl sang about this morning, if you've never made that surrender, there's no better day than this day to make a surrender to Him. But let me just say this also, that if in some way maybe you have in your, in your walk, maybe open yourself up to something that now because of that simple little choice turns out to be something not so positive down here down the road you know what you can ask God to forgive you for that you can you can turn right around and you can head towards Bethel today and what a what a what great hope there is in that that he said that he would never leave us he said uh, to Samson, I'm never going to leave you. And in Isaiah, 
just like someone that's inscribed in the palm of your hand. Mothers might forget you. Can you imagine a mother forgetting? But God says, I'll never forget you. If you want to make that choice today, if you want to make that surrender, there's no better day than right now. So we have ministers that are here. We'll pray for you. There's no better moment than right now just to make that surrender to him if you've never done that. Let's sing it this morning. Just let the Holy Spirit deal with your heart. Just, just open your mind, your heart to him now and just listen to what he has to say to you. Pleasing. If anybody would like to come for prayer, you're welcome to come. Pleasing to you. Let everything that I do be pleasing to you. Pray. Anybody else this morning? See
concerns me today. He is able. Sing it now. Just Sing it again now. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, He is able, much more than able, to accomplish what concerns me today.
How many would like to make a fresh start today? Just in your own spirit. I'm not talking about being born again, again, again. I'm talking about just making a fresh start. Lord, sweep out the cobwebs and just help me, Lord, to just, be, you know, be passionate about the things of God. How many would like to have that kind of a, a zeal this morning? I don't want to lose that like Matt was talking about today. I don't want to, I don't want to let that wane in my life. I don't want to let that uh, leak out in my life because of busyness and all the other webs that Satan will try to weave in your life. I don't want to have that. I want to have a continual passion for God and wake up in the morning and, uh, you know, the devil just kind of wring his hands and say, here he is again. My goodness, what am I going to do with him? I want to be known for that passion. I want to live in that, in that, in that uh, glow and that expectation that God's going to do something great. How many would like to have that kind of a fresh start in your life? Let's pray again. Let's sing it again one more time and then we're going to pray together. Keep your mind. Keep it stayed on me. Stayed on me. Faithfully. And I will give you perfect peace. Just keep your mind stayed on me. Close your eyes now, and I want you to pray with me now. Heavenly Father, as we bow in your presence today, Lord, it has been good for us to come and, Lord, be at your altar today and to hear, Lord, what you'd say to us. I believe you're reminding us over and over again to fear not because the presence of of God, it never fails. It never ceases to go with us. And even in our darkest times, and even in the, uh, you know, the, the valleys of life that we go through, Lord, and the different trials and troubles that we experience. And sometimes, Lord, even when it feels like you're a far distance away, in reality you're not. You're always with us, and you said you'd never leave us nor forsake us. And so, Lord, may we acknowledge that presence today, Lord, and may we be reminded of your nearness. And, Father, may we learn to cast our cares upon you because you do care for us. We believe, Lord, you have joined yourself to us. You are the wall in front of us. You are the support behind us. You are the presence that goes with us. And, Lord, I believe that with you that close, we can never fail. So, Lord, I just commit this assembly now into your hands. Pray that your Holy Spirit to be free to move among us in a, in a greater way than it has, Lord. And that, Father, you would just allow us to be able to break through into your presence, Lord, and to be able to enjoy the good things that you have for us. We are a people, Lord, who need healing. We are a people, Lord, who need your touch. We are a people, Lord, who need direction because we live in a world that's obviously falling apart. And, and Lord, we, we, we're on a journey. We're still on the journey. We, we believe we're going to a place, Lord, a glorious place. And you've already prepared that place. And so we're asking, Lord Jesus, that you just keep our minds stayed upon you. Lord, have your way, we pray. Ignite in us a passion for the things of God. Ignite in us, Lord, a zeal to pursue the things of God. Things we may need to make right with one another. Lord, renew in us a zeal to make those things right. We pray in Jesus' name that you, Lord, you would just draw close to each one and deal with us according to your mercy. 
We love you and we thank you, Lord. And we ask now that you would just bless your people. Father, we love you and just thank you for this time together in your presence. We ask these things in Jesus' name and for your glory. Hallelujah. And all the brides said, Amen. Amen. It's a tough thing to keep your mind stayed on God in a world that's filled with so many demands that we have. And it's easy for Satan to seem like to pull us into different, uh, you know, different affairs, different things, to web uh, and weave our, our lives, you know, away from the pattern that God has for us. It seems like a subtle thing, but he's a master at that. I think it's great for us to be reminded that he said, I'd never leave you, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to be right. I've joined myself to you. I think that's a wonderful thing that I've joined myself to you. Here's Brother Branham in 1963 and Why Christ Speak. And after all the miracles and the meetings and the presence of God doing supernatural things, all of his ministry, and in 1963, God has to remind him and says, do not fear to go anywhere. He says, the never-failing presence of God will be with you wherever you go. He's got to remind him in the last two years of his ministry that, that the Holy Spirit is that close and that present to him. After all he's seen and done, it's not an unusual thing that we would sometimes feel that. And so it's good for us to be reminded of these things. It's good for us to come into his presence in this way. I'm so glad I serve him, and I'm so glad that we, we know him today. I just, I, I'm, just, I'm just so thankful. Let's sing that little chorus, and even in the same key, Only you, Lord, only you. Only you. prayer this morning? Just Him. It's about Him. Sing it now. God bless you. Take a little of this spirit with you. Next time you come back to church, bring it back with you. 
If you want to stay and worship a little bit, if you want to stay and have prayer, you're certainly welcome to do that anytime. May God richly bless you. This afternoon, we're going to have a meeting at 3.30. It's going to be for my Sunday school class, 17 and up, okay? Seven, the, the older group, that's, that's who's going to be here this afternoon. So we'll be meeting at, at 3.30 out in the fellowship out here, the fellowship hall. May God bless you this morning. Let's sing that little chorus, We Fall Down, We Lay Our Crowns. Sing this as you go this morning. May God bless you. We fall down, we lay our crowns at the feet of Jesus. The greatness of His mercy and prayer at the feet.